Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bat Flip Podcast. Baseball is back. Today, we're going to talk about a few extensions that happened before baseball got started. We're going to touch on the minor league CBA agreement getting signed. We're going to hit on a few injuries, and we'll give you some overreactions and uh, exciting early performances from uh, the first weekend of baseball. Uh, before we jump into that, though, how you doing, Matt? Doing pretty good. Uh, had a very good weekend watching some uh, watching some baseball and so excited that real baseball is back and, uh, you know, just hanging out and uh, got to spend some time outside yesterday, but uh, glad I didn't watch the uh, the Braves game yesterday too much. But uh, Thursday through Sunday, great start to the season. Um, it's been a lot of fun, a lot of entertaining stuff. And uh, yeah, uh, very, um, very good start. How, how, how's your week been? How's your weekend been, David? Oh, it's been good, you know, got to watch a couple of Cubs games and touch on a few more, um, you know, major league games throughout, but, uh, you know, it's not always baseball, so I got to have a nice date on, uh, I think it was Sunday night, and, and yeah, it was good. Um, so, you know, you might notice we're missing a host, Damien's power went out this afternoon, has not come back yet, we went ahead and started our recording, and uh hopefully, you know, he'll be able to jump in here before the end of the episode, but um, other than that, stinks, power outages, no fun. Um, we hope Damien gets back and we'll have him back next week. Uh, so with that, we'll jump into these extensions. Um, you know, we've, we a couple of them we might have touched on already. If we did, apologies. But I do want to start with the biggest extension that got signed, which was Manny Machado's 11 years, $350 million extension. Um, from there, I'll go and just name off a couple of these, and then Matt, you can just give your take on a couple of them, and I'll toss around a couple thoughts before we move on, because these are all kind of before the season started, and I think opening day also a few of them hit. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll just list them off here. Uh, Orlando Arcia went for three years, seven million with the Braves. Uh, Nico Horner went three years, thirty-five million with the Cubs. We heard about that one last week. Uh, Corbin Carroll signed an eight-year, one hundred eleven million dollar extension with the Diamondbacks. Jake Cronenworth went seven years, 80 million with the Padres. Trevor Steffen went four years, 10 million with the Guardians with two club options. Andre Simenez went seven years, 106 million. And Emmanuel Classe went five years, 20 million. Both of those also with the Guardians. Guardians went on a extending spree there right as opening day hit. Uh, so, Matt, what are your thoughts on some of these extensions? Yeah, well, to start off uh, with the Machado extension, uh, definitely the Padres have been in, you know, signed long-term big money contract mode for the last seems like three or four years and uh this is the second time they've shined Machado to a long-term big contract and uh you know he was about to have his opt-out at the end of this year and um so you know he they needed to extend him or he was probably going to become a free agent again and they thought they'd go ahead and lock him up and Machado's coming off a fantastic season last year he put up seven wins above replacement had a 152 WRC plus. And while those numbers uh, at the plate probably won't be repeated this year, his, he did have some peripheral stats that, that were a little bit high, uh, but he's still going to be a fantastic all-star potential MVP caliber player. The defense is still really good at third. He's still going to hit really well at the plate. He's a great player. And I think the Padres are excited to bring him back long-term. Uh, this is a contract that I think is at the end of it. I mean, they're going to be paying him to age 41. So, it's going to age pretty poorly. I mean, once he gets to 37, 38, 39 years old, I think they're they're going to have some albatrosses on their hands. But, I mean, they're in a World Series window, and 
they're going to have a lot of their World Series core, depending on what happens with Soto, locked up for the next three or four years and probably still really good for the next three or four years. So they're going to have a pretty, a fairly extended World Series window here. And uh, so I think the Padres definitely are happy to make that move. Uh, a few of the other ones, I mean, I, I thought the Arcia was kind of funny just because the Braves are notorious for really cheap extensions for guys and three years, $7 million for a guy who is a start, who is the starting shortstop for the team is kind of funny. Um, Nico Horner, I thought was a pretty good move to buy out a year of free agency. He had the breakout year last year was really good. Corbin Carroll. We've seen this a few times and, and some of these contracts for a guy really starts playing at the big league level much. I mean, I know he played a few games last year, but uh, some of these deals have worked out. Some of them haven't. I mean, you had, a, I think, uh, maybe Tyler White might have been one that was signed that was just – it didn't work at all. And um, there's been a few of those extensions that didn't work very well. But I think that Corbin Carroll is, is a very good prospect and has showed some, you know, World Series – I mean, showed some major league talent so far and, and it kind of showed it at the major league level enough to give him that deal. So uh, get a couple years of free agency out of him. Cronenworth, I thought was interesting. Um, he had a little bit of a down year last year, but I, you know, seven years, eighty million. That's honestly a, a really good deal. It buys out four years of free agency, which is nice. Uh, Trevor Steffen, uh, you know, we've seen how much relievers have cost lately. So uh, you know, that cheap deal for a guy who came off a really good relief season last year and is young is pretty nice. Uh, Jimenez, really good as well. I thought that was a good signing. Uh, he put up like six and a half wins above replacement last year. Great defensively. And I think there's even still room to grow at the plate after having a really good year there last year. And Emmanuel Classe is one of the best closers in the game. His stuff is insane. And I feel like he's going to be one of those types of closers that isn't quite as volatile as other guys because the stuff is so good. Five years, $20 million for him is a really good deal. And, uh, you know, one other little note here, I love the Guardians locking these guys up. I think it shows a lot of um, a lot of foresight for them as a team that's probably not going to spend a ton of money in free agency every year, uh, but is, uh, you know, that it showed that they're will want to lock up that core long-term. We saw it with Jose Ramirez last year getting the extension there. Uh, I think that they're going to continue to try to extend guys and, and, you know, keep that core around for a few years of free agency uh, that they would typically have had guys walk probably. So I thought that was really cool, but uh, definitely, uh, definitely some interesting, um, definitely some interesting stuff here with these, uh, you know, with these extensions. And uh, it's good to see teams getting some things done here uh, right, right as the season begins. Yeah, one name that the Guardians did not extend was Stephen Kwan that was mentioned in a number of uh, tweets about this because the rumblings of a few extensions kind of surfaced up with a few of the writers. And Kwan's name was thrown around, but they did not go ahead and get that one done. Uh, another non-extension that happened here was Brian Reynolds. Uh, reportedly, the Pirates and Brian Reynolds got to an agreement on the money, but then uh, opt-outs I came up and and the Pirates balked at that, which if I'm Brian Reynolds, I completely understand wanting to add an opt out. If the Pirates aren't better in three years, you probably don't want to be there anyway. Um, so, yeah, I, I I understand where the Pirates are balking at from with that, but also you know that that situation continues to be ambiguous. And then a, a review of of these extensions on my end, love the Nico Horner deal shows a lot of faith in Nico and 
pairs him and Dansby Swanson up for at least the first half of that contract um, so that that middle infield is shored up with good defense. uh, And all the Cubs pitchers have already been raving about how much they like having those two back there. And we've seen it in some of the performances so far. So a big fan of that. I love the Corbin Carroll move, right? I I think I mentioned it when we talked about the Diamondbacks last week, but having that locked up for Corbin Carroll means the pressure's off, right? He can go out there, swipe bags, run hard, play 100%, and that's absolutely huge for the Diamondbacks' chances going forward, I believe. Um, And Jake Cronenworth's underappreciated in that Padres core. I think he's a big part of what they're able to do because – they have a guy who's like Cronenworth, who's going to get paid a little bit less. I mean, 80 million is nothing to sneeze at, but given the context of the players around him and the the role Cronenworth plays in that team, he's very much the versatile Ben Zobrist style glue that holds that roster together and allows those guys to take breaks because he can play every position on the diamond and he can play it well. Um, you know, Cronenworth's not making as much money as them, and it's very much a utility role both in the roster construction of a team that's already spending so much money having a guy like jake cronenworth on a deal like that is just awesome for them so dark the the padres continue to extend and sign players and i really like what they're doing um and yeah the guardians i love what they're doing too i think the the extending of, of a bunch of guys is good for them and uh, that's what we like to see i think uh, uh, that teams are spending on the players that are already in the system so Let's talk about the minor league baseball CBA because this offseason minor league baseball or the minor league baseball players were finally added to the union uh, and were they ratified the union for minor league baseball players. And in so doing, they have now gotten their first CBA and it included a very substantial raise to the point of over doubling the 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 base salary, like the minimum salary that you can get at every level. Uh, of the minor leagues, um, which I think is really significant. Uh, also, they're going to pay players year round. They're ensuring transportation to the fields being organized by uh, the teams at the low and high levels, which I think is really important. Um, and minor league players who sign with an organization at 19 or older are under team control for six years guaranteed instead of seven, um, which is good for the older players, right? Right, the college players. So, uh, just a few of those things. There's a few more points in the CBA, but like the main the main takeaways are this this huge raise, um, which still isn't quite like what you'd want to see, but I think it's a really big step in the right direction. Um, and then obviously paying paying them in the off season and ensuring transportation at the low levels. Yeah, I think uh, one thing to to look at here is just. When players get into the minor league systems, especially guys, this isn't going to affect players that are high dollar first round pick type guys quite as much because like, you know, you get that, you know, multi-million dollar signing bonus and, you know, the the salary difference doesn't really make that big of a difference. But the, this is going to help with some of those players that are maybe senior signs out of college that are getting paid a, a very low signing bonus coming out, uh, you know, some later round draft picks. Um, it's going to help those types of guys just, I mean, there's so all, all these stories out there about barely being able to live on what they've got, having to get other jobs in the off season and stuff to, 
to try to make up for the lack of pay they get during the season. Because at the end of the day, this, you know, major, ba- playing baseball is a full time job for these guys. And, you know, all the training and stuff that goes into it in the offseason is a full time job. And if you're not making enough money, I mean, they're not really making enough money to support themselves. So the really the option is, you know, either take that money or not play. And I think that a lot of times you see guys, well, we're just not going to play because we can't, you know, we can't afford it. And then guys who do do play are really struggling. So uh, I think this is great for player development. I think it's going to help guys. They're not going to be quite as worried about things. and You know, they're going to be able to afford a little bit more, uh, you know, when it comes to just comfort and, and everything with these minor league teams. So uh, I think it's great for the players. I think it's going to be good for the long run for the owners and, and for baseball in general too, just because like, like I say, it's really difficult for a team to attract talent and, you know, you never know when one of these senior signs who says, well, you know what, I think I'm just not going to play because, I, I, you know, that's just the amount of money I'd be making. It's just not worth it. Like, you know, for a for them to for, for those types of players, like you never know when one of those might hit it big. So, um, you know, just the fact that those guys maybe may be a little more incentivized to play, you know, minor league baseball could be great. And, and I think it just everyone being happier and the development being better at the minor league level is going to be be nice so uh definitely glad to see this uh you know I've, it's been a long time coming i'm surprised it hadn't happened before now but uh it's definitely good to see yeah it is and you know it's it's really an investment in the future of baseball right just being able to support them the, these players being able to support themselves and the, the organizations that they're in being able to provide them with support earlier in their career is a big step in my mind to cultivating a more, you know, a a top to bottom, better roster, right? Where the bottom of your league is more talented and therefore the top of your league is more talented. And it's just, it's a good thing for baseball. So um, I'm, you know, I'm excited about that. I think it's a a really good change. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it, but it, it is significant because I mean, this is a big step. We talk about the CBA, you know, all the time, uh, that I think it was last off season where it, it dominated our talks, right? It dominated the podcast. It dominated everything. Now it's so nice to be able to step back and focus on like the minor leagues making steps in the right direction, as opposed to battling over millions of dollars of salary and stuff like that. So let's go into the start of baseball season before baseball season does start opening day, a few injuries were announced. And then a couple of these were also after games have been played a little bit, but four pretty significant injuries have taken place and will be affecting, you know, some specific teams. Justin Verlander has a low grade Therese muscle strain, which is in your shoulder. Uh, and he'll be out for, he's on the IL now. Uh, Lars Newtbar just got put on the IL after an opening day thumb injury. Max Freed is on the IL after an opening day hamstring injury. And Tristan McKenzie is out with another theory strain. Uh, but this one more significant, and McKenzie should be out six weeks plus uh, per uh, the Cleveland media. So, um, you know, maybe I would say Verlander's injury, maybe not so unexpected after our talks yeah. of the NL East. But uh, what about the rest of these injuries, Matt? Yeah, I mean, like you said, Verlander yeah. – it's when you when you're two when all your money's tied up in two uh you know two 40 year old pitchers that's gonna you know that's the kind of thing you worry about and uh it's definitely not a great start to the season for them but he did sound like he was probably it's kind of precautionary that he was gonna miss a start or two uh so 
it'll be uh it'll be interesting to see uh, when he comes back and if he's 100% when he does come back. Uh, Lars Nukbar, that you know, it's disappointing. He had such a good World Baseball Classic, and you know, he had a lot of momentum going for himself. And uh, you know, getting injured on opening day is never good. But uh, I don't think he's going to be out too long. So the Cardinals have all the utility pieces and depth to be able to make up for it while he's gone. So as long as he comes back, you know, in that 15, you know, not too distant time frame, I think he'll be fine. Max Freed, just he tweaked his hamstring just a little bit on opening day. It didn't look all that bad, but he, um, you know, it, it's definitely not great. The Braves starting pitching has ha- has a few little nagging injuries and some question marks right now. And him being out long term would be really, really bad. But it does look like he's only going to miss one or two starts. So that shouldn't be too big of a problem. And then Tristan McKenzie being out is a pretty big deal for Cleveland because I really think that he's – they really need him to ha- repeat what he did last year because I really don't think Cal Quantrill is going to repeat his season from last year. And, you know, they're kind of like, I don't know how much, even though Savali had a really good first start, I don't know how much you can trust Savali and Plesak going forward, you know, on a date, a week, week, or a start to start basis. So they really need that really good number two. And, and I think they can make it without him for six weeks. But if he's, um, you know, if he gets injured again or if he stays out or lingers or something, that could be a big problem for them. But hopefully these guys all come back pretty soon. It's definitely significant injuries here, and uh, you hate to see it on opening day. But, you know, at the same time, when it happens on opening day, these guys have plenty of time to recover and not miss too much time. So, uh, you know, I guess it's better to happen on opening day than the day before the playoffs start. But uh, definitely, uh, you know, definitely hate seeing these so early in the season. Yeah, and we're, you know, uh, among other injuries, right? We've talked about the Say Suzuki injury, and he's already, yeah. you know, doing baseball activities. So, you know, you're looking at a number of three of these injuries at least are probably not even going to require, you know, they'll be the minimum stint, hopefully. And, and you'll see some of these more, you know, star level players getting back to it. So, after this first weekend, we have seen a number of things, including debuts. Uh, for some of the rookies and that we talked about and some of the international signings. So I figured we should go over just like, you know, maybe cover what happened with those guys. Uh, Anthony Volpe starting at shortstop for the New York Yankees. Uh, he is uh, stole a base on opening day, got his first hit on Saturday. Uh, looks pretty good, but I think he looks a little bit young. You know, I, I don't know that he's going to have the kind of superstar breakout season yet, at least from having seen a couple of things that he's done so far. What do you think about Volpe so far? Yeah, I think that's kind of the expe- expectation for Volpe this season. You know, last year in the minors, he did still look like he needed a little bit of seasoning and he had a great spring training. And I get why they put him on the opening day roster and have him starting. But there's definitely some things he's going to have to, you know, get better at and work on. But at the same time, he's, um, you know, he's had a really good, um, you know, he, he had a really good weekend with, with some things. He he had three stolen bases. I think he had a, a stolen base in each of his first three games. And I think I read somewhere where that might have been like the, he was he joined like one of five people to ever do that or something. So that was really cool. Um, but yeah, um, I think he's, I think he's going to be fine for them. Uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see how long it takes him to kind of catch on. It'll probably be a little bit slow to start, but he, you know, by mid season, I think last year you saw he struggled early and then kind of mid-season he caught on to AAA, so that might happen at the big league level this year. So we'll mm-hmm. see. Uh, definitely uh, definitely seems like he's worthy of being in the big leagues, though, right now, which is good for the Yankees. 
comparatively, Jordan Walker, three games in. He has another hit tonight, has a couple of hits already, got one on opening day. Uh, looks the part, I would say, though none of those hits really seem to be extra base hits, but he really hasn't you know, fallen off right now. 151 WRC plus through the first uh, four game or yeah, four games this season. Yeah. Jordan Walker's a guy that I think um, he definitely, he's another guy. I feel like maybe, maybe could have used a tiny bit more seasoning in the minors, but he's looked good so far. Uh, he had an RBI single tonight. He said a couple balls really, really hard that got caught for outs too. You got to remember this is such small sample size. Like, I mean, he had a ball hit 108 miles an hour tonight that got caught on a diving catch by the shortstop. So it's, you know, it, it's, 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 I think he's going to be fine. Uh, it's just going to take him, you know, the, the sample size will stabilize. I think, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it goes going forward. The one thing I think he's been a little bit impatient at the plate. He, he hasn't struck out. But he also hasn't walked yet, and I think he's been a little bit jumpy. So he'll he'll settle down. I think he'll have a good, pretty good rookie season. Yeah, so do I. And speaking of rookie seasons, Kodai Senga went out, put up a eight strikeouts and five and a third innings, and the uh, the ghost fork, uh, which was appeared on his glove as well in a little graphic, was absolutely dominant and filthy. Featured on Pitching Ninja. I, I thought Kodai Singa looked really good, and I, I kind of feel that, you know, at this point, I'm a little upset that the Cubs didn't go out and sign Kodai Singa um, instead of Drew Smiley, especially after Smiley's performance today. I mean, Singa looks absolutely the part, uh, at least through spring training in the first game so far. Yeah, Kodai Singa looked good. Um, you know, I think sometimes his control is going to get him in trouble a little bit. He did have four walks in that game. It took him a little while to settle down. But uh, and of course it's also it was also the Marlins. But eight strikeouts, you can see how good the stuff is. That ghost fork looked really good. It, you know, it's really that ghost fork is a splitter, but he throws it just a little bit different from a typical splitter, and uh, it's got really good action on it. It dives really well. He also throws really hard with his fastball, so it's a good combination to have. And uh, I think he's um you know the, the Mets have had some luck with guys that have good splitters recently. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's kind of where, you know, Tywin Walker had his career season last year with them and uh, kind of from developing a splitter. And I think that uh, Marcus Stroman really kind of took off there when he kind of started working on a splitter a little bit. So uh, that is something the Mets have had some good luck with. And uh, I think Sanga looks to be, you know, at least a solid number three in the rotation. Uh, I think he's looked pretty good. So uh, definitely a successful debut for him. And we'll see how he continues to grow going forward at the big league level. Another guy who has shown up and really had a strong start is Masataka Yoshida. Another guy who came over from Japan last season and Yoshida homered today, uh, which is Monday and opening day, two hits in an RBI uh, thus far, a 150 WRC plus kind of like Jordan Walker and Yoshida in, in the world baseball classic. He was really strong. And I think he raised my expectations a little bit in the world baseball classic. Um, he looks the part so far as well, because Boston's offense has, been really good, but they've had to be really good. The the pitching there yeah. really bad. So, uh, what about Masataki Yoshida? Yeah, so th this is a guy that you know from kind of listening to people's opinions on him coming over from Japan when he was signed. There were some teams that thought, "Oh my God, I can't believe you gave that guy that much money." And then there were some teams who really liked him and thought he was worth it. So uh, the Red Sox obviously really liked it. They've had luck with guys from Japan coming over uh, to play there and. Yoshida, the question with him coming in was, how, is he going to hit for power? 
I mean, that's been the question all along. They People thought that he was going to be a pretty good plate discipline guy. He was not going to strike out a ton. He's going to get on base pretty well, but he, uh, you know, how much power is he going to hit for? Well, he, he hit an opposite field home run tonight at Fenway, uh, and he, um, you know, he's hit the ball really hard in his first few games. He did in the World Baseball Classic as well. So, so far, Yoshida looks like he might be worth that money, but, uh, you know, it's a long season. We'll see what happens going forward, but it's definitely encouraging signs for him to have such a good debut and, and, and start to his season. Yeah, and from the rookies and, and just their kind of original performances there, uh, you know, let's talk about some of the insane early performances that we've seen in the first couple of days, right? Uh, we've seen some guys have some absolutely crazy games early on, uh, highlighted, I think, opening day by Adley Rutschman, who went five for six with a walk, which was an otherworldly early performance. Um, we also saw uh, CJ Crone hit two home runs as Colorado beat San Diego. On opening day and then the day after trace thompson goes for three homers and eight rbis as the dodgers win over the diamondbacks which eight rbis this early in the season that's an incredible game yeah. uh the other two homer game that i saw brian reynolds has done that today uh along with another hit for reynolds so he's had a strong performance as well those uh early contract talks haven't really slowed him down at all uh early performances you know can any of these guys keep it up i think adley might yeah, I mean, obviously he won't keep up five for five with a walk and a home run, but he, he's going to do really well. I mean, I don't think Trace Thompson's going to keep hitting home runs like this. I mean, to be fair, also, I think it was against Bumgarner, so if he didn't mm-hmm. hit three home runs, it was time to go home. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I could see C.J. Crone having a big season at the plate. I mean, he plays in Colorado. He's good power hitter. I mean, I could see I mean, he's not going to hit two home runs a game or something, but he, he's, he could be a good, solid you know, have a solid season. Uh, and then Brian Reynolds, uh, it'll be interesting to see what Brian Reynolds we get this year. Cause you know, I think, you know, he had that really, really good year in 2021. And then last year he was good, but he might be wanting like future superstar level type performance. Like he'd had in 2021. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see if we get something in between, if we get 2021 Reynolds, if we get 2022 Reynolds and the power, I think is a big part of that. And I think that, uh, you know, he showed off that power today and I think he's, he's had a pretty good start to the season. So that's nice to see, but, uh, definitely some interesting, uh, interesting performances there. I thought they were all, uh, you know, they were, they were fun. And, uh, there's tons of good, you know, good performances around baseball. We could have picked from too. It's, it's been yep. a really exciting start, especially, I mean, a few, a few teams, like, I mean, like those red, the Red Sox and the Orioles are going to play a lot of 11 to 10 games this year. Yeah, they are. It, it, the games have really been strong <laughs> and I, I will, we'll, we will touch on the rules, I think, and how they're approaching the yep. games here at maybe at the end of it you know, with, with our closing thoughts. But I do want to point out that last year, CJ Crone's March and April, 149 WRC plus his May 138 WRC plus first half was a 134 total 51 second half WRC yep. plus for CJ Crone. He's very much a hot starter that ends up cooling off, I think. So um, it's not unforeseen that Crone is a good start, but maybe he does put it together over a full season for once. I, I would like to see a, a monster year in course for CJ Crone. Definitely possible though. He'll have to keep it up. Let's go from offense. We started on offense. Let's go to the really good pitching performances that we saw from mostly the starters. I, 
relievers, you, you gotta you gotta have some quantity for the relievers. So we'll just stick with the starters for now because we had a bunch of shutouts actually thrown over this first weekend. Uh, Garrett Cole had a shutout performance on opening day. Probably the best pitching performance on opening day was Garrett Cole. I think eleven strikeouts, uh, just masterful um, against. I, oh gosh, who did the Yankees play the on day? It was the, the Giants. That's it. Um, yeah, Michael Stroman had a really good opening day performance against the Brewers, strong offense, and he went ahead and shut him out. Uh, eight strikeouts for him in six innings. Drew Rasmussen today, uh, seven strikeouts for the race, shut out. Jeffrey Springs was really, really good. I, oh man, who was who were the they pitching or playing against uh, yesterday? Because they they changed it was the Tigers. Astros. Oh, it was the Tigers? Nevertheless, yeah. Jeffrey Springs six uh, six innings pitched, I think twelve strikeouts. So just a really, really strong performance for him. It might not have been 12, actually. It, it was 12. Yeah, it was It was 12. Yep, there you go. I knew it. Um, and then uh, Shane McClanahan as well. The Rays really have started off very strong in pitching. Uh, Kevin Gosman threw six shutout innings. Justin Steele threw six shutout innings. Luis Castillo for the Mariners threw six shutout innings. And maybe the biggest surprise of anyone that we've talked about so far, Johnny Brito. For the Yankees, he threw six shutout innings as well. So uh, strong starts for those pitchers. Anything we can take away from those guys? A lot of names that we expect, but a few that we would not. Yeah, I mean, it, sometimes with the, you know, like the Rays guys, I think all, all the Rays guys had good starts, but they were playing the Tigers. So if you don't have a good pitching start against the Tigers, it's not good. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Dylan Cease looking really good was nice against the Astros, which is a very good lineup. Uh, he looked, I mean, we knew he was going to be good coming in this year. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, maybe the couple of the Cubs Brewers performances, I mean, Woodruff, I think we looked really good too in in that series and for the, for the Brewers. And, but I mean, it was like cold and the wind was blowing real hard. It's, you know, sometimes it's tough to pitch there. Uh, but it's, you know, sometimes yeah. it's also, if you can get the, get a grip on the ball, it, you know, you're not going to hit very well in that weather if, if you can get a grip on the ball. So I think like Corbin Burns really struggled with his grip, I think on opening yeah, day. And he did. I think he's done that before. If I remember right, like mm-hmm. he's gone up to, to Wrigley early in the field and early in the season and struggled. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, kind of the guys to look at maybe, uh, maybe Gossman looking really good was, was nice. The, the Blue Jays really need somebody to step up on the mound because, I mean, it's been uh, <laughs> it's been a mess for the Blue Jays so far on the mound. I mean, tonight even like I think Barrios has given up seven runs to the Royals tonight. I mean, yeah, they look bad uh, on the mound so far. Manoa looked really bad in his first start. Um, so we'll see what happens there, but uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely some good, uh, good outings. Uh, a couple guys like like Luis Castillo coming off that big extension that he signed last year, coming into his, you know, his second year there in in Seattle. They really needed a good start from him and against the, a, good, a pretty good team in the in the Guardians, and he did really well. Uh, that's a, that was a big one. Uh, and obviously, Brito for the Yankees. Uh, you know, if Carlos Rodon's going to be out for a while, you know, they're going to need somebody to step up, and Brito's a you know, a candidate of guys that could step up him, Clark Schmidt, there's a couple guys that, you know, they're going to need. And uh, I think mm-hmm. that, I think Severino's in the IL as well. So uh, those guys uh, stepping up is really nice for them. So uh, definitely, uh, definitely some good starts for these guys. And uh, we'll see, uh, we'll see if they're able to keep it up. 
for what it's worth, the only two that we mentioned in this group that did not walk any hitters were Dylan Cease and Luis Castillo. Um, okay. So, yeah, just, you know, if you're trying to Rasmussen, grade them. Did Rasmussen walk somebody? Uh, yeah, no, he didn't either. But so so three guys. Yeah. I wasn't sure. Rasm- I saw Rasmussen's after six shot out. I, I, he may have gotten pulled. I thought he got pulled. Um, so I went ahead and wrote it down. But uh, really impressed with Justin Steele, too. Uh, he's he's come out of the gate strong and kind of picked up where he left off last year after yep. an injury and a bit of a shaky spring and even a bit of a shaky first batter where he walked the first guy on four pitches in the game and then proceeded to just shut the Brewers down for those six innings. Uh, gave the Cubs a chance to win. They didn't, they didn't take it. Um, so, you know, those are some of our good pitching performances. The one I do want to specify is that Hunter Green, and he – it showed on the broadcast, and I'm pretty sure it showed on StatCast. I don't know if it was verified. Through 105.2 to Andrew McCutcheon, who, if you remember, the, chat the, fast, the fastest pitch <laughs> that has been seen and recorded by StatCast was Andrew, Andrew or, uh, Roldis Chapman to Andrew McCutcheon, 105.6. Or, Reds yeah, the Pirates. Or 105.4, and it was Reds Pirates. Hunter Green, 105 to McCutcheon history repeating itself. I, I thought that was pretty noteworthy from this weekend that Hunter Green's already up in the, the high 100s. And even if that's not exactly 105, he was averaging 100, 100 miles an hour on his fastball. Yep. Hunter Green might be in for a good season if he can get that thing to get some swings and misses. Yeah, that's going to be the real question for him is he's thrown, you know, he's always thrown hard, but man, he's it's been hittable. So we'll see. Yep. I mean, 105 is not hittable, but, you know, if he's at 99, Major League players are seeing that so much now. Like, if it's not moving, if it has bad spin rates and whatever, like, if the shape's not great, he, the guys will hit it. But uh, 105, man, that, you know, for a, especially for a starting pitcher, I mean, we've seen guys maybe not throw 105, but we've seen guys get up close to that. Like, you know, you've seen, you know, uh, Jordan Hicks. Uh, you've seen, uh, you know, Chapman. Like, you've seen some of these guys get up there. But uh, Ben Joyce, a college guy last year who's – could be mm-hmm. a, a pretty big deal for the Angels later this year, by the way. Uh, you know, you've seen some of that, but like from a starter hitting 105, I, I don't, I don't think I've seen that before. So, yeah, it's impressive. He's he's got a lot. He's just really athletic, and I think that's what really helps him. Uh, any worrisome performances while we're here on the pitchers? You know, we saw Chris Bassett give up a ton of runs. The other night, we've seen DeGrom give up a, couple, a ton of runs. Chris Sale got whacked around. Obviously, yeah. Bumgarner, Manoa got whacked around. Yeah. Uh, who was it gave up four? Oh, Michael Kopech gave up four home runs today. Yeah. In the same inning, by the way. Yeah, he gave up five on the game, I think. Yeah. Four in the same inning. Um, so. I mean, I, I think that it was worrisome to see all the Blue Jays guys. I mean, Mano- there's because there's question marks about all of them. I mean, Manoa, I think there's been some question marks in the offseason about his conditioning and how the pitch clock having to because he was a pretty slow worker last year how the pitch clock would affect him you know kind of having to get up there and throw 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 and he really looked bad in that first outing um you saw in Bassett I think there's question marks about his conditioning I mean not his conditioning but his uh ability with the pitch clock as well adjusting to that his velocity was down which is worrisome and then uh, I mean Jose Barrios today got smoked so that was not that's obviously that's that bode well for them. Um I think uh you know that's so that I think that's a that's a big deal with the with all the the guys from the um from the um 
from the Blue Jays. I thought Jack Flaherty was really worrisome yesterday. I actually don't think he gave up a hit in his five innings or something, but he walked. I look at I was looking at the box score. Yeah, he walked. Uh, maybe it might have been Saturday. Actually, I, I'm gonna look seven. real quick. He walked seven guys in. Yep. He didn't like give four up a hit. Walked or seven guys. Yeah, five innings. He walked seven, and yeah. he really, really struggled to get. Um, and he also hit a guy too. He really, really struggled to get to, to get you know swings and misses, and his slider didn't look as good as it used to. Its velocity's down on it, so that's really worrisome for the Cardinals, a team that's already kind of struggling for starting pitching. I mean, they had John Woodford starting tonight, give up six runs. I mean, uh, you know, opening day they gave up ten runs as a team. Like, that's a team that really needs somebody to step up on the mound. I think Adam Wainwright also went down with a groin he, he injury. Did. So we didn't mention that in our injury segment, and uh, for good reason, probably should have. But... Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, big name. It's but, biased. Uh, yeah, big big name, but yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, those were some really worrisome starts. I think. Uh, oh, one more, one more. Aaron Nola. He was yeah. Horrible. Against yeah. The Rangers. And and I'm not and I'm not too worried about Degrom. Like his stuff yeah. looked good. He was facing a good lineup, and, and the same could be said for Aaron Nola. I don't know. Yeah. I mean. Like he'll probably be fine. I'm not really worried about him yet. Like if he one does start. this three more times in a row, then I'd be worried about it. But I mean, he it's one start. Guys have bad starts. I mean, you know, we've seen it. It happens. Like the Phillies pitching in general has been a train wreck yeah. so far. I mean, Tywin Walker. Oh, Tywin Walker is another guy you could be worried about too. Got, he looked awful. Got blown up. He yeah, looked awful today. And uh, and uh, maybe also the Mets pitching just because like Verlander's already hurt. Like and yeah. Scherzer I mean, was good, worrisome. but yeah, Carrasco uh, looked awful today. I mean, uh, I was watching that game; he couldn't couldn't find the strike zone. So, um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, definitely, it's hard to be real worried about after one yeah. start and spring and and spring training. But I mean, there's some guys that it, you just you don't like to see. Like when you've had when when they had a trend last year, and yes. that trend continues into spring training and into the first start of of 2023. It it worries you even if maybe typically it shouldn't worry you that a guy struggles in their first start so yeah yeah that's that's what i was going to get at real quick before we move kind of into what you were just talking about um you know i'm when i'm i'm looking at a guy like corbin burns right i take into consideration the the atmosphere he played in right opening day wrigley field monster crowd cold weather uh it was like 40 degrees you know that alone i'm just throwing that start out the window right like uh you know, and then I'm looking at like Jacob Degrom, right? First start, he he struck out like half the batters he faced. Yeah, that's he's fine, right? He'll get that. He got some bad luck, some hits fell in. It's all right, we move on. Like even Aaron Nola, right? I don't, I'm fine. Nola was bad, but the Rangers are, they've got something going over there. We'll we'll get into that as well. What I was worried about the most here is a guy like Trevor Rogers who was yeah. not good last year, and I wanted to see him get off to a good start, and he didn't. And I, it was a guy like, um, you know, some of these guys, like, that were bad, that were going to be bad because of the pitch clock, right? Luis Garcia was really bad for the Astros. He has had to change his windup, right? He had the rocking baby windup. It took him forever to throw a pitch. He has to throw pitches faster this year. Yep. He's not, he's not off to a good start. Is it going to take him a long time to get going? You know, I don't know. The, that's the type of thing I'm looking at. And then Chris sale being horrible. I mean, I am, he, it's been a while since, uh, since Chris sale was good and he, he gave, he got rocked. Um, so 
you know, I'm just, yes, I'm just looking out for some of these guys, some of these trends, you know, Jack Flaherty's another one, right? I'm that's, that's worrisome going into a contract year. You were hoping that, you know, if you want him to get paid, he, if he wants to get paid, he needs to perform well, well, having no command in the early, your first start of the year, that's not going to help things. And we'll, we'll see. So, um, you know, drawing conclusions from one start, not a good idea, but you know, that's what we've got to work with right now. And, you know, trying to take, you know, from other places, but you know, we had some early overreactions for you. Cause obviously it's been one game for you know, yep. four to five games for most teams, right? They haven't even gone through the order one time in terms of pitching rotation. Lots of, lots of baseball still, still to be played after four games. Who are, is your, like your best team so far? Um, I mean, so far, I really like what I've seen out of the Rangers. I mean, they came out and played a, a good Phillies team and, dominated them for three games and i mean the phillies really struggled too but the rangers looked really good the yankees have looked good even though they did drop a game uh you know the braves looked really good in their first few games uh, just because they you know i know they lost on sunday with the pitcher making his debut but uh they look like they're gonna contend for like homer races this year uh i mean they might get close to a record on that uh i mean i, I thought the yankees looked good um, I definitely, uh, you know, I definitely think that, uh, the Brewers I thought were pretty impressive outside of, you know, their opening day struggle. They, they've looked good scoring 10 runs today. Uh, that's going to be a thing that the Brewers, yeah. you know, they, their issues so far, the Reds are three and one. Can we talk about that? <laughs> no. Uh, I know. Well, I mean, we, we'll, we'll, <laughs> they, look, we'll talk about, lost while we were I was going to say, we're we'll right. talk about how they, they started two and one. We don't have right. to talk about the today's game, but I mean, I know it's okay. Pirates, but still, uh, the twin, I, the twins looked really good. Um, so yes, it, it, it's been, it's been fun. So. You didn't even steal my team. I, I was going to go with the race, right? My, my, yeah. my favorite team thus far, the race. I mean, three shutout level performances from the starters. Offense has been strong. Uh, Wander Franco's off to a good start. Yes, that's been nice to see. So I, I'm just. The Ray, Randy's Randy Rosarena. Maybe, like I said, maybe they can finally tell Randy to play every game like it's you know the most important game of his life. Right? <laughs> Randy would win every MVP if he could do that. Um, but you know it, the Rays look good, and I I remember. I mean, I I didn't pick them. I didn't pick them in our yep. predictions. I I feel I, early on they are making me feel dumb because that <laughs> pitching staff is really good. Definitely underestimated just Jeffrey Springs. He was good last year, and that extension. Got him paid. He's he's playing with house money now. He's he's real good. Yeah, it's just it's one of those things too. You do have to remember, like the Braves play the Nationals. They look good, right. but they were playing the Nationals. The Rays have played the Tigers, Tigers, and today played the Nationals. Like mm-hmm. you know the, I, I mean it, it's I think the Twins Twins played the Marlins today. I don't remember who they played over the weekend, but um. Oh, the Royals. They played the Marlins and the Royals. So some, I mean, some of these teams are starting off like that's why. That's why I was so, um, you know, so uh, impressed with the with the Rangers because they just played the Phillies. Like it, it dominated the Phillies. Like uh, so that I mm-hmm. thought that was fun to fun to see. But uh, but yeah, uh, it'll be it, it's a good start for some teams and and for some teams it's more important for some teams than others to get off that good start too. Like a team like the Rangers who just spent a lot of money in free agency. They got a lot of new pieces. You know, it, it's important for them to get the good vibes starting it off early to like get some momentum. I remember, and, and you know, just showing my Braves fandom, obviously, but I remember when the Braves kind of got out of their rebuild, 
their first year where they won the division. They won five in a row. Their first one, they won on opening day on a walk-off home run against the Phillies. Mm-hmm. And that really just kind of kick-started their season. Like, I'm not real worried about a team that is already really good not having a great opening weekend. Mm-hmm. But a team like, you know, like like the, the Angels had a good weekend too. I know they lost on opening day, but they came back and they dominated their next two games. Like, those types of teams that are kind of on the fringe, they could go either way. You're not really sure about them, but you, you want to like them. You think they got talent. Like, starting off really good can really help those types of teams. So it, it's good to see the Rangers have mm-hmm. a great start. Of course, injury issues are going to be their thing for the season, but um, – you know, if they can stay healthy, but I think that's, that was really important. Yeah, I think so. Um, so maybe, you know, when we mentioned it a number of times, Phillies zero and three, right. Uh, to for through the first weekend and did they lose today too? Get smoked by the Yankees today. Yeah. They lost today too. The Phillies are zero and four. That is not a good start. Uh, again, my, my, my philosophy with baseball is every team, just about every team, right. Barring the, the top and bottom exceptions, Every team wins 60 and lose 60. It's what you do with the other 40 games, the other 42 games. That's what matters the most. And that's what differentiates the the winners from the losers, right, is having a really good record in those other games. Until you get to 120, you can't really tell one way or the other. But through the first weekend and, and Monday, really, and, and not we're not even done with Monday yet necessarily, but I'm worried about the Phillies. Cubs are off to a bad start, and that's that's not good, right? For a team that needs everything to break right in order yeah. to make the playoffs, that's not a good start. Uh, Cardinals are not off to a good start either, right? That pitching staff looks really, really vulnerable. Yeah. Jordan Hicks um, is getting lit up right now too. Yeah, that, that's that's not good. Um, and then you know a bunch of teams that are were expected to 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 play poorly or playing poorly, kind of as expected. But you know we mentioned the Blue Jays, Orioles lost a couple of games. Marlins could have been a fringe team, right? But they have already started off one and four. They don't look good. Mariners are off to a bad start as well. And then Houston is two and two early on. So that's a little bit troublesome for the Astros. I was going to say the Astros, I mean, as far as, as good as we feel like they are and they'll be good, they'll be fine. But Mm -hmm. I don't think they're as far and away dominant as people think they are. I mean, that Mm -hmm. pitching staff's got some holes in it. I mean, they lost Justin Verlander and and I know what you, you know, whatever you might think about Justin Verlander going forward to this year, but they lost 170 innings of 1.7 ERA ball. Right. I mean, so, and I mean, there's reasons to be concerned about some of their other pitchers. Like we talked about Garcia earlier. I mean, Hunter Brown's a rookie and Mm -hmm. you don't know how he's going to do. I mean, he's also a guy that's not necessarily the best command in the minor leagues before he's come up so he, he gave you know, up four runs today yeah i mean and then you've They're got already like, down Ur- four four zero to the tigers say, and urquidy's not really that good and i mean christian yeah. javier was great last year but there are questions about him and his ability to sustain being a really good pitcher too i mean he's really a two-pitch guy so um like there's there's question marks with that with that with that team involved framber valdez is another guy who the pitch clock thing might really bother a little bit and then you look at their mm-hmm. lineup and i mean there's some there's some guys in that lineup you're like yeah i don't know about it. i mean they're starting you know he- i mean they're, they're missing a couple guys yeah. altuve brantley are out but like they're starting helsley or uh hensley, hensley. david hensley every day right now dubon. They're starting mauricio dubon they're starting uh at, at uh catcher martin martin maldonado starting like there's some holes in the lineup too i know they're really good and you've got jordan you got tucker you got bregman you've got you know but it's there's Abreu. You still, you still got some holes in that team, though. I mean, it's not a mm-hmm. juggernaut. So, 
It it certainly has the potential to be, but yeah, you know, it, they are off to a slow start. They're without their best player, yeah, or maybe one, we're one of their best players, right? They're their leader, yeah, yeah. basically. So uh, definitely worried about the Astros and then a number of these other teams. Um, so with that, we'll transition to Player of the Week and we'll finish this thing off strong. Uh, Matt, who you got, Player of the Week? So uh, one of the guys we did not mention for his performances, but we probably should have, is uh, I guess because we're going to mention him now. But it's uh, Adam Duvall. Um, he, uh, you know, he signed a deal with the Red Sox in the offseason, uh, coming off of 2022, where he really struggled at the plate, and then he got injured. Uh, the Red Sox signed him. There's a lot of question marks about why did they sign him to play center field for them. But he started off on his first weekend and looked really, really, really good. Uh, he had a great game on Saturday where he walked off, uh, he had a walk-off home run against the Orioles in a, I think it was a 10-9 to final in that game uh, after the left fielder Austin Hayes just dropped a pop-up that we hit him right in the glove. But uh, Duvall, the next pitch, hit a home run. He had two homers in that game and a double. Uh, so that was really cool to see. Um and, and a good start to his time in Boston. On the, on the weekend, he hit 571 with 600 on base and a 1.357 slugging percentage um, and uh, hit the two homers. Uh, had a great weekend. Uh, today, apparently, he's got – looks like today he's two for three with a walk. So uh, two walks. He's he's two for two with two walks today. So Duval is, yeah. Yeah, so he's having a great game again today, which is it's nice to see. It's fun to see Duval. I really like Duval. Uh, I'm, I'm – Kind of, just kind of glad he wasn't a wasn't re-signed by the Braves to a big contract or something. But he, I really like him as a as a player, and uh, I think he's a good guy. And it's fun to see him succeeding so far in Boston. I hope he has a good year. I pounced on him in Dynasty Fantasy Baseball, and I'm I feel pretty good about it. He was you on so the, far. <laughs> yeah, I, I got him. Well, I got him after a bunch of the big performances, but I, I think he's in the lineup today, so still still playing strong. And yeah, I'm going to ride that wave as long as it'll take me. But uh, Fantasy baseball's certainly fun, but uh, speaking of that, I, I also have Dansby Swanson, who who is my player of the week, and, or at least of this first weekend. Uh, and I gotta pull up his stat line because it changed after uh, after I wrote down his original stat line. Because today he went three for four hits, again, uh, which is his second three for four game this season already. And he, on opening day for the Cubs, you know, it's coming off of signing a big deal and being kind of that, uh, you know, the maybe the fourth shortstop that signed. And, you know, the kind of there's kind of questions about his hitting, questions about his fielding. And really, for me, I was excited because it's a new player, but I haven't I hadn't seen him play. Right. I haven't watched him play. Watching this guy play, man, it is so much fun. And I know it's a hot streak, right? This is very Babbitt driven. He doesn't have a home run yet, but. 291 WRC plus 583 average. He's got, you know, he's, he's been the only bright spot in the Cubs lineup thus far. And it is really, really helpful to, to have that going forward. You know, I, 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 we needed this in the lineup. We needed this kind of excitement, you know, the, the, hopefully he's able to kind of continue this, not this level, obviously, but a, a strong level with a lot of contact and not a lot of whiffs. I mean, he hasn't struck out yet uh, this season. His approach appears to be really aggressive, and, and that can help him. I think so, he struck out today, didn't he? Oh, he might he have. Out I, one. I think he struck out once. And yeah. His, his 
not hit was a strikeout, I think. But either way, I looked because I was looking at the box score earlier. But yeah, he, he uh, enjoy enjoy Dansby Swanson while uh, while he's hot. <laughs> he does this. He he he'll he'll yeah. do this for like. He might even do this for like three weeks, and then he'll go like three weeks without a hit. He'll strike out sixty percent of the time. But at the end of the day, uh, it's the amount of time. It's what he does on the in between times that'll end up whether he's a really solid hitter like he was last year, or you know, a average or below average hitter like he was has been a couple times. But he's uh, yeah. definitely been a fun guy to. Uh, he's definitely a fun guy to watch when he's when he's rolling, and uh, it's good to see. Uh, you know, it's I'm I'm glad he's had a good start there. Funny, funny story though. Brent Xander Bogarts, three hundred nine WRC plus so far. Dansby Swanson, three hundred one WRC plus so far. Xander's yeah. had two home runs, so you know both of those guys kind of playing their playing to their contract early on, playing like a star. Really awesome to see, um, because like we said, we we really want you know signing you know big spending to be rewarded, and I I think that's important. Uh, but you know, <laughs> just looking at I mean Dansby's. Dansby's really been the only bright spot on this Cubs team. Cody Bellinger homer today, thankfully, and Ian Happ's been a, homered a couple of times. Nico Horner's gotten on base, and beyond that, it's been it's been really rough. So, uh, you know, considering the uh, you know the group he's playing with, I, I I feel very happy about this bright spot. Would be remiss if I didn't mention Yoan Moncada's off to a good start. Uh, he's desperately needed it. Nolan yeah. Gorman's off to a very good start. We haven't mentioned his name yet today. Bryce Terang hit a grand slam today. Yeah, I was um, watching that game. Yeah, that's good. Glaber Torres is off to a good start. He has needed it. Um, Miguel Vargas has walked <laughs> a bunch of times already. Yeah. And he was the guy who did not walk in – or he did not swing the bat on purpose in spring training. He's still not swinging the bat. Someone forgot to tell him he's allowed to swing now, and uh, he brought it to, to the regular season. He's got a 61% walk rate through four games. <laughs> So that's fun. Very interesting. Ronald Acuna, Ronald Acuna said a couple of home runs. We've got to mention him. He's three for uh, three tonight with a walk and a homer. Yeah. He's yeah. here. He's here. And then uh, Joey Gallo has three home runs already yep. so far. He's off to a good start in Minnesota. So I, interesting. I, I just trying to make some make note of some guys here before we close out. So this first weekend was the first weekend that we got to see the pitch clock. The first yep. weekend that we got to see the bigger bases and the lack of the shift. What are your thoughts on you know, those three rules really, because those are the three that are kind of the most um, to, that we saw this, yeah. you know, this, this week. Yeah, it was very intriguing. Um, I think that uh, there were some bumpy times with the pitch clock, but for the most part, I think it has helped keep the game. And, and everyone's talking about the length of game, and I don't really care how long the game is, but the pace of play is the big thing. And, of course, a way to measure that is how long the game takes. You think about if you throw the same amount of pitches, the game's two and a half hours. It means there is less time between pitches and stuff. But um, I, I think it's been a success so far. It seems like most people have really liked it. Um, I mean, like I said, there's been some bumpy moments. I think the biggest thing has not necessarily been, like, guys taking too long between pitches. It's kind of been the start of innings or the, you know, where or, or maybe after a big hit or something, like, getting the ball back into the pitcher and then having them throw like, you know, getting it, get up there to throw immediately. Like I think there's been, I've seen at least three or four pitch clock violations where basically the guy took too long on his last warm up pitch. And it, it was weird. Like it wasn't even a real, like, I think, uh, I think, uh, who was it? AJ mentor might've gotten one on opening day. And there was one today that I saw might've been in the Mets game. I forgot who it was, but the Mets were playing, uh, the Brewers today, and somebody got one, but 
Uh, might have been Carrasco that got it or, or Tommy Hunter or somebody. But either way, I thought it was definitely interesting, um, and I thought that was good. The shift rule, honestly, you can still shift. You're just not going to have a extra outfielder standing there in, in right field. And I think it's made a little bit of a difference, but not a huge difference. And stolen bases, I, I've really liked the balance of that so far. I was worried a little bit that it might make stealing bases too easy for some guys, where it was basically like if you get a little infield chopper, it's basically a double. But I think so far it's worked out pretty good. Like the stolen base percentage is up some, but it's not like 100%. And uh, it's definitely put more value on having a really good throwing catcher because you have seen guys like Sean Murphy throughout two guys yesterday. I know Real Muto's throwing out a couple guys. I mean, of course, he's had a lot, a lot of opportunities with the amount of base runners the Phillies have been allowing. But um, that's been interesting to see. I know the stolen bases were way up over the first weekend, so we're going to continue to see that, I think. It, it's definitely been a big deal. So it'll be very interesting to see how these play out. But so far, my first impressions are, are pretty good. What, what about you? What, what have you thought about it? So Jeff Passan tweeted this morning, uh, the time of game difference from 2022 to 2023 over the first four games, it was three hours, nine minutes last year, two hours, 38 minutes this year. Having watched a few games start to finish this weekend, I really prefer it. It it clips along a lot faster. The the action continues to happen. Uh, You're not really like able to it's not like you're able to look away but it's more of a the game is always occurring as opposed to well they're stopped we wait 30 seconds we're still waiting they pick off we wait 30 more seconds right there's none of that anymore and that's the stuff that always bothered me about baseball and you know you you think about in-game experience fans boo as soon as there's a pickoff right who cares they're trying to pick him off it makes sense but what they are booing is the the time the pitcher is taking with a runner on base right that's the problem and that was always the problem uh i think one thing that i saw that's going to help you know what's going to be helping pitcher health is this pitch clock. I mean, pitchers are not able to throw max effort all the time, right? We saw Hunter Green throw 105, but the belief is that the pitchers will be forced to throw, you know, less than 100% all of the time. And without the pitch clock, right, they were taking 20, 25, 30 seconds to gather themselves and throw max effort every single time. I think this is a really good thing for hitting, especially because, I mean, batting lines are up, right? And that may be partially due to the shift and partially due to the clock. I think it's got a little bit, a little of both. Uh, but batting line from 220, 2022 is 230 batting average, 308 on base, 374 slugging for the league over the first four games. This year, the league is at 245 batting average, 323 on base, 392 slugging, four games, right? Obviously not something we can draw conclusions from, but offense up a little bit. Stolen bases up from, I think, 24 to yeah 29 to 70 which is a good increase right that yeah. that means stolen bases are occurring what's that it's like once a game maybe twice a game almost like 1.5 yeah. times a game something like that that's good right i want to see some steals i was legit i made my mvp picks based on stolen bases right i thought stolen bases are going to go nuts teams are going to get really aggressive with it and we might still see that but early on it's been a nice balance uh, the yeah. shift, like you said, what I like seeing about the lack of the shift is no third baseman in right field. That's that's so beautiful yeah. to me. And I don't really mind if they bring the left field into right field because there's a lot less like risk 
there's a lot more risk to that, right? If the batter does finally hit a opposite field fly ball, it's inside the park home run, right? Like that's a that's a big risk. The third baseman out there, you know, that was just giving up a single if he hits a ground ball to the left side. So, you know, I, I want my players playing their positions. I want them to be athletic. And what I've seen so far has been you can shift, you you can still position your players accordingly, but it's okay. That because that's still their position, right? The shortstop playing up the middle, he's still playing shortstop. He's not playing second base anymore, right? Once he crosses that that line, so I like it. And you wouldn't even notice the the bigger bases. I, I wouldn't have noticed them. I've noticed that they it's a little bit easier to dodge collisions at first base, which is good for yeah, for health. that's been nice. So ultimately, I think the rules have been a success so far. I do think you know there's some tweaks that can be made, right? I think. And what I've seen is that I think warnings are being issued to, um, you know, hitters for not being ready. I think that's happened a couple of times where they, the umpire simply warns him, calls their time, and, you know, m- m- they move on without getting a, a violation. Because I felt like it was always a little bit off to have some onus on the hitter, right? It, it, when you're trying to get the pitchers to speed up, you it's not really the hitter's fault, but the hitters do need, you know, to be ready. And I don't know that charging them a strike if they're not ready right at eight seconds, like they were doing in spring training is the solution. But it seemed like there was some warnings and it seemed like there weren't a whole lot of those violations and a strike it, is much more impactful than a ball. So, you know, I just, I think it, it worked out nicely and it had a nice balance early in the season. Yeah, I think that I do think that there will be some adjustments eventually, and there might be times where they do increase the the time for pitchers too. Like, I mean, because because at a certain point, you know, especially in the postseason or late in the season in big games, late games, like you don't want the game to feel super rushed. Like, right. So that that's the one thing I've kind of been worried about with the pitch clock. I think that in April, in the first six innings of a game, you know. I think it's fantastic to have this pitch clock and have the pitchers work really fast. But, you know, when you get to October, you know, and you've got a tied game in the eighth inning and the bases are loaded and, you know, it's like if the pitcher needs to step off and get his catch his breath a tiny bit, like I think that's okay. That the moment, that moment, all that anticipation of the next pitch, like it, it does bring mm-hmm. excitement still. So right. I do worry a little bit about that, but I think there will be adjustments. I think major league baseball is, it sounds like they're really open to feedback and adjustments on this from the players and the fans. So hopefully that's the case. This is supposed to be to grow the game and help the game move forward. Uh, so that's definitely something, you know, we need to see. So, um, It'll be a, uh, it'll be, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens the rest of the year. But so far, the rule changes have been, uh, they haven't made the game, you know, wildly different. But they've made some small improvements that have, I think, have helped the quality product they've had so far. It's been nice to see. Yeah, I think so too. And I wonder, you know, hypothetically, right? Maybe one of the changes they can make. They've already got a twenty-second clock on with runners on. I do wonder if postseason late game might just be a 20 second clock all the time yeah maybe something to that effect where you're you allow those moments to breathe a little bit more but once you're past 20 seconds i do think it's just too long no matter what is is kind of where i'm at right if you're spending more than 20 seconds between pitches you're you're approaching the point of taking too long in the moment so you know you 
I do think that there's something to be said for letting the late game breathe a little bit, letting the moment build, letting the crowd cheer, not rushing through that. But I didn't notice it. And we had some tense yeah. games. The Cubs had some tense games early on. Did not notice that there was less intensity in those games. So, yeah. And what, one other – one last little thing on that too. I think there's sometimes where the – especially like early in the season and in spring training even where, you know, a player was getting a round of applause or something for, you know, it's their first mm-hmm. at-bat with a new team or, you know, it's like a veteran that's coming back for their last year or, you know, or, you know, had you had that game where Sergio Romo came back to pitch one more time in the last game of spring training before he retires and they were calling pitch clock violations. Like they need to have some like leeway on that. I think the umpires – I know they were trying to strictly enforce everything to get it established, but in the, you know, Come going through the season, they need to leave a little bit of leeway for stuff like that. It it kind of like the umpire needs to have some kind of discretion on hey, like let's let this moment happen here before you know because there's got to be times where you know a player comes back to play where they haven't you know where they used to play or something like like when like when they with the new schedule the Padres go play the Red Sox, but Xander Bogarts goes back gets in the box, you know it's going to be like you know they're probably going to give him a standing ovation for his time mm-hmm. there and uh, they're going to say pitch clock violation. And it's like, well, that's kind of stupid. Like let the fans have their moment, let the player have his moment. So I do think that that's something they're going to need to kind of have some discretion with too. But right. And, and from what I saw, there was a good bit of discretion and there was a good yeah. bit, you know, it didn't feel any rushed. We weren't giving out unjust penalties. I don't think yeah. anybody complained about any of the the pitch clock violations. Like only forty yeah. were called. I in think the there whole was major yeah, leagues over the first four games. That, I think there was one they called on the on the Mets maybe because Pete Alonso. Oh, that's wasn't the one. Back. Yeah, that was one that was kind of weird, but because Pete Alonso didn't get back to first base, and they were like, "What do we do uh, after right. a foul ball or something?" Or so that was a weird one. But other than that, I, I didn't remember any that were really. Uh, in 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 this regular season so far, at least there was a few in spring mm-hmm. training that people were like really, but right. uh, in the regular season, I, I think that's there hadn't been any other issues. So if if you got one in forty over four games, right, that's a two percent rate. Yeah. If you got two percent weird rate on those, I think you're doing well. So. Yep. I think we're good. All right. Yep. That's gonna be it for us. I think we don't really have anything else. So Matt, any closing thoughts before we go into this uh, second or first full week of baseball? Um, not really. Uh, just, uh, been exciting to watch. Been some good games so far and, uh, definitely, uh, looking forward to the season. It's been fun. And I think we're going to see some, uh, good baseball here going forward. Hopefully the weather warms up a little bit too. This opening weekend's had some bad weather, uh, for a lot of the country. I know that, you know, it's in the Midwest, it's been really, really cold and, uh, there's been some, uh, it's been really windy in some areas. And, and I think, you know, on the East coast, it was pretty cold too. So um, we'll see. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully that the weather gets a little bit better and uh, fans are able to enjoy their. A lot of teams haven't had their home openers yet, so hopefully, uh, hopefully everything goes smoothly with that. But um, but yeah, good start. Uh, let's keep it going. Yeah, severe weather in the Midwest too, yeah. not helping anything. Yeah, and, so. and, and, and yeah, and also you know, my thoughts are with everybody that got affected by those storms the other day. There was that was a yep. really bad outbreak and. Um, you know, it looks like there might be another one here in the next couple of days. So, um, you know, obviously we're thinking about those people too, but, but yeah. Yep. That's it for us. 
have a good night, everybody. Uh, make sure to follow us uh, at the Batflip Podcast on Twitter. Um, I'm at dwest three underscores. Matt's at Matt Arcara. Um, you know, and this has been the Batflip Podcast. Everybody, have a good night. Mm-hmm.